Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Law Today podcast presented by Foley and Lardner. Each month, we'll bring on a different thought leader to discuss current legal trends in the healthcare industry. I'm your host, Judy Waltz, partner and chair of Foley's healthcare industry team. It's a pleasure to have you joining us today. Before we begin our show, I want to remind you to subscribe to Healthcare Law Today, either on iTunes or your preferred podcast app. Please visit our website at healthcarelawtoday.com. For today's show, I'd like to turn it over to my colleague, Mike Lappin, to introduce our guest from Advocate Aurora Health to talk about Advocate Aurora Enterprises and their purpose of helping people live well through a commitment to whole person health. Take it away, Mike. Thank you, Judy. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Mike Lappin. I'm an attorney at Foley and Lardner practicing in our transactions and healthcare groups. I've been practicing law for almost 30 years, primarily as a transactions attorney. Uh, I joined Foley about two months ago, and for the 11 years before that, I was deep into healthcare. I served as the chief legal officer and then chief administrative officer of Aurora Healthcare, the largest healthcare system in Wisconsin. And then as the chief integration officer and chief administrative officer of Advocate Aurora Health, the system formed by the 2018 merger of Aurora with Advocate Healthcare, the largest healthcare system in Illinois. I'm very pleased today to be joined by two of my former Advocate Aurora colleagues, Scott Powder, who is the president of Advocate Aurora Enterprises, and Michael Greeby, the chief legal officer of Advocate Aurora Health. We're going to discuss Advocate Aurora Enterprises, which was launched recently as an investment arm of Advocate Aurora late last year. But first, a little context. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, the healthcare industry is going through a period of significant transformation. This transformation has been driven by a number of forces, including the economics of healthcare, changes in technology, and changing consumer demands and expectations. And we can see this play out in the industry in many ways, such as the continued consolidation, which has been getting a lot of attention these days, uh, changing locations of care, uh, moving care outside of hospitals, uh, and new technologies to monitor, treat, and interact with patients. And this is even before the COVID pandemic hit. And it's very well that that pandemic could exacerbate uh, many of these trends. To me, as a transactional and healthcare lawyer, one of the more interesting trends, though, is that while hospitals and healthcare systems continue to grow and enhance their traditional business of providing care in hospitals and clinics and other settings, they're moving into new and different businesses under a much broader umbrella of health and wellness and healthcare services. And that is what we'd like to explore today. Uh, before we do that, let me have our guests introduce themselves. Uh, Scott, why don't I start with you? Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. I'm Scott Powder. As you said, I'm president of Advocate Aurora Enterprises. Before that, I was chief strategy officer for Advocate Aurora Health and served in that same role for Advocate Healthcare prior to the uh, merger and creation of Advocate Aurora Health. And I've been in healthcare for nearly 28 years now. Thanks, Mike. I'm also very happy to be here. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Legal Officer for Advocate Aurora Health. I joined Aurora in early 2017 uh, in that same capacity uh, after practicing in private practice for 
more than 20 years uh, and working as a general counsel at another Milwaukee area business before joining Aurora. Okay, thank you. The way we're going to approach this discussion is to talk with Scott about various aspects of uh, Advocate Aurora Enterprises, and then I'll turn to Michael to get uh, some input on some of the legal issues that he faced. So Scott, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. I mentioned uh, before that uh, Advocate Aurora is a large healthcare system in Wisconsin and Illinois. Can you uh, give us a little more background on, on the system? Absolutely. So uh, as both of us mentioned, Advocate Aurora Health was created in 2018, April 1st, so just a little over three years ago. And it was the merger of really two large healthcare systems in adjacent states. Uh, it was somewhat pioneering in healthcare in the sense that there hadn't been a lot of cross-state, uh, I'll call them mergers of equals. Uh, oftentimes, you know, it's been either large multi-market systems sort of gobbling up smaller players, um, but there you really don't see, or a lot of in-state mergers, but doing a merger across state lines with uh, two you know, well-respected health systems was was somewhat unique and pioneering. There hasn't been a lot of that. So uh, that's creation of Advocate Aurora Health. And, you know, I'd probably say the interesting thing to me is when we, as both you and Michael will recall, both predecessor organizations were called Advocate Healthcare and Aurora Healthcare. And when we renamed the system, it was Advocate Aurora Health. Not that we're not in the healthcare business, but we acknowledged at the time and continue to acknowledge, and it certainly plays out in what we're doing at Advocate Aurora Enterprises, that our role is more than just great health care. It's to positively impact the health of the people we serve, which of course is impacted by care, but is impacted by many other things. So I find that to be particularly interesting uh, talking about where Advocate Aurora Health is going. And that's a, that's a great point, Scott. And I think that leads uh, directly into the creation of Advocate Aurora Enterprises. That was a concept that came out of the strategic plan that was developed upon the uh, consummation of the merger. Uh, as you said, at the time, you were the chief strategy officer and led the development of that plan. Can you talk a little bit about that plan, the key elements of it, and, and how, how that led to the the development and implementation of Advocate Aurora Enterprises? Yeah, sure. So I think, uh, and you, you, you spoke to this at the very beginning, you know, we've had a point of view about where we saw healthcare going uh, as we created Advocate Aurora Health and as we launched the strategic planning immediately after the merger. And, you know, a big piece of that point of view is that a person's uh, health and well-being is ultimately, as I said, impacted by great medical care, but probably even more impacted by things that are outside of traditional care delivery, things like access to secure housing, uh, financial security, food security, access to good food and nutrition, uh, personal lifestyle decisions, levels of stress, ability to sleep, um, you know, things of that nature. And so uh, we knew when we created Advocate Aurora Health, we, we actually were very uh, explicit that our purpose is to help people live well. And knowing that uh, our purpose is to help people live well and that the, you know this point of view that health is impacted by a lot of things other than uh, not just care delivery, we said, we're gonna need to participate 
in the broader health ecosystem in some form or fashion. So that was one of the big conclusions from the strategic planning process that we, uh, that we embarked on. The other kind of important piece of this is, you know, the, the care delivery business is a really tough business for a lot of reasons. One, heavily regulated. Two, you know, at the end of the day, the, your, your sources of payment, you know, your revenue typically at least 40, 50, sometimes even a larger percentage comes from the federal government. So um, unlike other industries where uh, you can set prices and uh, you know, impact your revenue, we really don't have that ability for a big chunk of our business in healthcare. And the costs are going up dramatically. Uh, there's labor shortages, which always impacts, uh, impacts our cost structure. There are specialty pharmacy and, and drug prices are going up. Medical devices are going up. And so, you know, our revenue isn't going up nearly as fast as our expenses. And over the long term, that's a really challenging position to be in for any organization in any industry. And so we sort of acknowledged that in addition to needing to participate in this broader ecosystem as a mechanism to, you know, really fulfill our purpose, we also recognize that there's a financial imperative as well to diversify our revenue and, and seek new opportunities for revenue growth and profitability, which is important. We're a tax exempt organization, but that doesn't mean that we deliberately lose money. We need to generate a surplus to be able to reinvest in technology, equipment, uh, clinical programs and services, and, and things of that nature that allow us to better serve uh, the communities that we operate in. So that is where I think a lot of the genesis of Advocate Aurora Enterprises came from. The idea in a nutshell was that um, if we're going to fulfill our purpose of helping people live well, and if we're going to participate in the broader health ecosystem, we need an, an entity that is specifically focused on that. And we designed Advocate Aurora Enterprises to really build a presence in what we call the consumer health sector. So investing in acquiring and, and building businesses that are serving consumers broader health needs, not just pure care delivery. And we set it up specifically as a you know, separate subsidiary so that because it really is, we're serving uh, people differently than we do in our core care delivery business. Our marketing strategy is different. Our funding strategy is different. The kinds of companies that we're investing in are very different than things we've done in the past. And we felt there is really a need for a, a certain amount of autonomy and separation without losing the connection to the core, uh, which again, I can talk about in more detail. Can you get to that a little bit of what, what really is Advocate Roar Enterprises? I referred to it in my introduction as, as an investment arm. And, and that's what I've seen it referred to recently in several articles, but I'm not sure that that description really does it justice. I think that's right, Mike. I, I am still trying to figure out what's the right, uh, you know, one or two word description of what we are. So let me try to unpack it a little bit and maybe you'll come up with the uh, with a better descriptor uh, because we do look a little bit like an investment arm, but that's not really the whole story. So in a nutshell, we are a for-profit subsidiary of Advocate Aurora Health. And our goal is to build over the long-term 
and a company that um, operates in, invests in, and um, grows uh, consumer health and wellness products and services. Uh, we've identified three particular areas that we're focusing on, uh, and I can go into those in more detail, but uh, the quick summary is aging independently, the second is parenthood, and the third is personal performance. And so for each of those, again, we're trying to build a portfolio of companies and products and services for the long term. So when people hear investment arm, they think of us often as kind of an in-house private equity or venture capital arm, meaning we go out, we find attractive companies to invest in, and then we look to exit and generate a financial return for our uh, limited partners. In this case, our limited partner is in effect Advocate Aurora Health. And that is not entirely accurate because we are really, we go into these as long-term uh, investors with a buy and hold mentality, because again, we're trying to build a business, not necessarily get in and exit in a defined period of time. Doesn't mean that exits won't occur, uh, but we're certainly not going in with that in mind. So that definitely distinguishes us from a you know, classic investment arm. So that's why I can't quite figure out what to call us. If you're looking for uh, the lawyers here on the call to to give you some help in that, that that's <laughs> where you, when marketing comes to us, it usually is a problem. <laughs> that's true. I, I hear you loud and clear. My, I'm waiting for Greeby to give me tell me what I can and can't say on this. <laughs> you mentioned a little while ago about the purpose of Advocate Aurora of helping people live well. What are, what are the goals for Advocate Roar Enterprises? I assume you have some financial goals, but, uh, but I'm particularly interested in what, what would your non-financial goals be? How do, how, do you, how do you help fulfill the purpose? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. And you're right, uh, we do have financial performance objectives, but those are not the sole objectives. If they were, we would truly be a private equity or venture capital arm simply trying to get the highest return on invested capital. Uh, but we start with what we call our strategic objectives. The first one uh, is probably gonna be the most interesting to measure over time um, and the hardest to exactly figure out, but we call it healthy days. So uh, there um, is a metric that the CDC developed a number of years ago that they call healthy days, where you literally ask people over the past 30 days how, uh, how well have you, you know, how many days have you perhaps been compromised from a physical health standpoint? And how many days has your mental health not been uh, you know, great? And that's, it's, you sort of do the math, 30 minus that number of days, uh, the, the difference is how many healthy days did you have? And our goal over the long-term is to increase the number of healthy days that the people we serve uh, enjoy. And so again, it's a very broad uh, and it's a self-reported metric on health. So uh, that is our first and foremost strategic goal. Uh, over time, I hope to add additional ways of measuring uh, health and wellness among the people that we serve, but that's at least the starting point. So that's part one. Part two, and again, another strategic goal is we are trying to impact the total cost of care for the people we serve. So uh, one of the unique things about Advocate Aurora Health is that, you know, we're probably one of the largest participants in what's often known as value-based care. Um, and, you know, of the roughly 3 million people we serve, 
nearly half of them come to us under some value-based contract and nearly half of those come to us uh, under a contract in which we have significant financial downside risk. And in effect, we are at risk for the total cost of care for the people we serve, and, which is interesting because uh, my job with an advocate of our enterprises is to develop uh, services and uh, companies and products that actually can help manage that total cost of care. So that's where you get some real strategic alignment between what Advocate Aurora Enterprises is doing and what Advocate Aurora Health is doing. So those are two examples of non-financial goals that um, we are trying to impact. And I'd probably say the third one, which bridges into financial a little bit, is we're trying to increase the number of people we serve and the depth of our relationships with the people we serve. So I think, you know, you know this, Mike, the healthcare is very oftentimes very episodic. You know, I can count on, you know, less than one hand, how many times I interacted with my healthcare provider, which happens to be Advocate Aurora Health over the last year and a half. And obviously some people interact more than, than, than I do, but they tend to be episodic in nature. And there's a lot, usually time in between and you know, care delivery addresses certain aspects of health, but not the entire ecosystem of health. And so we're trying to kind of fill that interstitial space between episodic uh, visits to the healthcare provider system by filling in the gaps with other health and wellness services on a more frequent basis. So one way we measure that is what we call share of wallet, which is a sort of a retail measure of you know, how many times and in what ways are we interacting with uh, the people we serve beyond uh, just traditional care delivery, and does that generate more revenue? So again, it bridges into financial, but it does have its roots in, are we building deeper and more frequent relationships with the people we serve? Michael, let me uh, bring you into the discussion here. When I listen to Scott talk about a new business, a different business, um, a for-profit business under uh, the Advocate Aurora umbrella, uh, one of the first things I think about as a business lawyer is, is how is this going to be governed, both from a kind of a, a management over, oversight perspective and from a board oversight perspective. I know you were involved in uh, those discussions. Can you talk a little bit about the, the different uh, ideas and concerns that uh, you were considering as, as you worked through those issues? We just heard Scott share a very compelling vision uh, of Advocate Aurora Enterprises, how Advocate Aurora Enterprises uh, will support the broader mission of Advocate Aurora Health, and maybe most importantly, uh, how that mission uh, is going to benefit our patients uh, and our communities. I think what Scott lays out is really a pretty exciting vision, uh, and frankly, uh, a significant part of the legal department's job uh, is to support Scott and his team in putting in place structures, management arrangements, uh, other uh, legal structures that give his team the best opportunity to be as effective as they possibly can. Because the benefits of Advocate Aurora Enterprises being effective extend far beyond uh, just Advocate Aurora Health. Having said that, the business that Scott describes uh, is different from the core business of Advocate Aurora Health, obviously, uh, whether it's uh, operating as something of a private equity fund or 
uh, a VC investor or some of the other things Scott walked through, uh, it necessitates an approach that is distinct from the standard hospital system governance. So what we have tried to do is really two things at the same time uh, that exist somewhat in tension, uh, but uh, I think can be uh, mutually supportive. One is to create a structure that permits Advocate Aurora Enterprises to act nimbly uh, and quickly uh, and in a way that is uh, both responsive to uh, and business aware uh, in terms of the different context of Advocate Aurora Enterprises as opposed to Advocate Aurora Health. Um, and we've tried to do that both in terms of establishing uh, smaller different governance teams and, uh, and entities having a separate uh, board that is permitted to operate with uh, more nimbleness than the broader uh, organization but also tying what Advocate Aurora Enterprises does back to uh, Advocate Aurora Health uh, in terms of things like making sure that uh, we are being mindful of potential liability uh, that could attach to Advocate Aurora Health, uh, making sure that there is appropriate governance, compliance, legal oversight of the business operations at uh, Advocate Aurora uh, enterprises. So those two things exist in some tension, uh, as I mentioned, but uh, I think that we're getting it pretty close to right uh, in terms of protecting the organization, but also giving Scott and his team the absolute necessary latitude uh, to operate nimbly uh, in the business environment that he operates in. Beyond governance, were there uh, other significant issues from a legal perspective that you dealt with in relation to the formation of Advocate Aurora Enterprises? So in connection with the formation of Advocate Aurora Enterprises, there are uh, a few uh, specific issues that uh, the legal department and the lawyers had to uh, address. One, which Scott alluded to, is the fact that Advocate Aurora Enterprises is a for-profit entity. Doing that helps shield Advocate Aurora Health from some liabilities uh, arising out of what, again, is a very different um, set of business operations that is likely to continue to diversify uh, significantly. It gives Scott and his team the opportunity to partner potentially with outside investors in terms of the corporate structure uh, and uh, the management team uh, and their ability to, uh, to conduct business uh, a little more independently. And I think that they're also uh, something Scott and I have talked about. I think there is also something of a public perception uh, that uh, either in the market or more broadly that is benefited by having Advocate Aurora Enterprises stand on its own uh, to some extent. Uh, and be, be able to hold itself out as that more nimble entrepreneurial uh, organization. Uh, that's something that we've tried to establish through uh, management arrangements, again, through uh, different forms of legal or compliance oversight while still providing protection to the organization. And I think is gonna prove to be uh, very beneficial to, again, not just uh, advocate or enterprises, but our patients and communities for all the reasons that Scott described. 
Thank you, Michael. Scott, coming back to you, you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, three different areas of focus for Advocate Aurora Enterprises. Can you uh, elaborate on that, please? Absolutely. One thing I'd sort of go back to uh, that uh, Michael Grevy just referenced that's I think I'd maybe just add one comment, and that is that point about being held out and being perceived as maybe different and perhaps nimbler than the core business is actually a really uh, important insight. So just, you know, we just announced a couple of deals that I can tell you more about. Um, and, but one of the deals we, was an auction process uh, where the private equity firm was looking to exit and they brought in an investment banker and you know, sort of sent out uh, offering memoranda to a whole bunch of different players. And the one of the single, you know, one of the questions that came up repeatedly, I'll just say, was we were one of the few, maybe the only strategic uh, investor to participate in the process. And we kept getting asked, to what extent are we going to be able to complete our activities and put our offer on the table and do our diligence in a timely manner? Because just as a, as a rule of thumb, strategics are typically viewed as slower and less nimble and less able to uh, get deals done than you know, some of the investment-oriented organizations. So the fact that we actually ended up consummating that deal and were successful and sort of met the timeline requirements, and you know, that, that, is, that is incredibly important, uh, particularly in those kinds of processes. So I just thought I'd reinforce that. But to, to your question, um, so three areas that I mentioned, I'll go a little bit deeper. The, the theory uh, on these is that we wanted to identify areas in consumer health where there is, we believe, large unmet needs and challenges, where there is significant growth, and where we have uh, capabilities in our core business that might be helpful uh, in allowing us to compete successfully in these particular, what we call categories or sectors. So that was kind of the general thinking of how did we identify these. The first is aging independently. So the idea of helping seniors age safely uh, in, uh, in their homes and providing them and their uh, loved ones with peace of mind. And obviously that's an area where there's huge unmet need. You know, every person probably over the long term wants to stay in their home as long as possible. And, um, you know, as someone who had to deal with aging parents with health challenges, I know, you know, knowing that there's ability to provide support and infrastructure, particularly when you're remote from your parents is critical. And, you know, there was, you know, almost an unlimited amount of money that I'd be willing to pay to help keep my parents safely and effectively in, the, in their home. So that's one. The second is parenthood. So the idea of helping people navigate everything from trying to get pregnant, the actual pregnancy journey, the delivery, and then trying to raise uh, happy and healthy kids in a more confident manner. And again, huge challenges, lots of information out there. Um, and uh, you know, raising kids particularly now is more challenging than ever and there's more issues and more complexities. And so uh, find helping people do that and being a trusted source of information and services is, is really an interesting opportunity. And then the last is personal performance. So this is the idea that by aligning mind, body, and nutrition, you can help individuals achieve their peak performance and accomplish their personal goals. And we all know, and I think 
the pandemic has sort of reinforced this, that access to good food, having you know, mental resilience, managing stress, and taking care of your body are critical to uh, you know, performing your best, whether it's as a, uh, you know, in your role uh, in, in work, your, your job, or just in your own personal fulfillment or in your relationships with friends and family. So those are the three areas that we are focused on today. I would say they are all evolving, they're fluid. You know, we have uh, specific growth strategies for each of those areas, but you know, those strategies will evolve and over time we may have to drop one. We'll certainly probably add categories over time. So this is an ever evolving uh, strategy. Before you talked about the difference between advocate or enterprises and a uh, private equity firm, uh, as you uh, look at opportunities, private equity firms usually have a very relatively narrow band of types of deals that they would do, whether it's uh, usually a control deal um, within certain industries, within um, a certain size range. Uh, from what you've described, it sounds like you, you have a much broader a range of, of investment and opportunities that you'll be pursuing. That's right. We uh, have a lot of flexibility in what we can do. You know, we, we like to, uh, we can be a minority equity holder. Uh, we could have a controlling interest. We could do a full, you know, a- acquisition and, and, and own all of the equity. Uh, we also can even do what we call corporate venture investments where we're taking, you know, a much smaller slice of equity on the front end. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, we like to try to get to 20% equity because if you're not at 20%, you don't have the ability to record, uh, you know, have an income statement impact. And part of my job is not just to, um, it, it is financial in nature and generate over time, you know, an accretive and recurring uh, stream of cash flow for the organization. So um, having uh, the ability to record the activities on our income statement is important, but again, that still gives me a lot of flexibility and a pretty wide range of transactions that I can look at. And you talked about the transaction you just completed and that being a competitive process. How do you uh, differentiate yourself from other potential buyers or investors? You, you talked, one of the things you mentioned is uh, the expertise that you bring to the table as a health system. Is that, is that one of the things you focus on? Yeah, it, I would say yes. Um, that is certainly something we bring to the table. The, you know, the the challenge is, uh, and it, and obviously every transaction is different. And the, the transaction we're referring to is Senior Helpers, uh, where we acquired uh, that company uh, that was basically uh, almost all of the equity was owned by a private equity firm that had reached the end of its life cycle, and you know, they were looking for an exit. Um, you know, in that case, they quite frankly, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I don't think they really cared what uh, about our clinical expertise uh, or any of that. I think, you know, they're looking for, I think what differentiates there is they're looking for maximizing their return on investment. So did we have a competitive offer and could we get the deal done and, and all that kind of stuff? So you have to be a little bit careful uh, in some of these cases, all that what we think is great advantage around clinical expertise and reputation and relationships with, and as I mentioned, 3 million people that we serve today, those are all great things, but you know, in certain transactions doesn't mean a lot to the seller. On the other hand, uh, we also uh, announced a, I will say this, the senior helpers team 
uh, that is, you know, that is now part of Advocate Roar Enterprises is appears to be thrilled with the, you know, some of those things that I mentioned, you know, they love the idea of being, being able to access uh, geriatric uh, expertise and, you know, care around seniors and some of the clinical programs that we have, some of the capabilities of serving people in the home that complement what Senior Helpers does. So I think that those things are differentiators. It didn't necessarily help us win the transaction, but I think it's going to help us going forward post-transaction. You know, on the other hand, we also just completed an investment in FoodSmart, which is a digital food and nutrition platform. So that came out of that personal performance category. And in that case, we are a minority equity holder and they are extremely excited about some of those differentiators that we bring to the table, the ability to bring some clinical expertise to their program, the ability to, for example, we have a research institute within Advocate Aurora Health and FoodSmart would like to expand on some of the clinical trials they're doing where they couple their food and nutrition activities with certain drugs to, uh, again, have a better uh, you know, long range efficacy. So they get excited about that capability that we have. They love the idea that we're a huge player in value-based care and can we help them prove out some of the positive impacts that access to good food and nutrition will have on total cost of care. So it depends on the transaction, but those are things that, again, bring us, you know, make us different than a typical financial uh, investor. You just mentioned the two recent transactions that you completed, and I think good examples of different ends of the spectrum, one a 100% acquisition and one a minority investment. How do you, if you want to expand a little bit on, on either of those investments and, and why they're attractive to you, that would be great. And, and one of the questions I have is when you look at this, and, and you obviously will look at the businesses independently and how they stand on their own, but how important is it for you when you're looking at an opportunity like that to relate it back to the rest of Advocate Aurora and how it promotes or works with the rest of the system and the interactions there? Yeah, so uh, briefly, I already mentioned FoodSmart. Uh, I mentioned both, but you know, FoodSmart, digital food and nutrition platform. So what they do is they have the ability to provide uh, consumers with a telehealth consult or series of consults with a registered dietitian. And that dietitian helps you design a meal plan and identify, you know, that meet your personal needs. Um, it could have chronic, it could be related to chronic disease. It could be just trying to improve fitness. It could be weight loss, et cetera. They, they help you identify through a huge database of, of recipes, you know, what worked for you. And then that, uh, you know, inside the platform translates into a shopping list. You can press a button and, and it tr translates into a um, food delivery order. So it's a really convenient way. It takes out a lot of the friction of getting access to food. And one of the cool things they've done is access, uh, they integrate food stamps. So it's a way, and they allow for price comparison between different groceries and delivery options. So it's a way to allow people who struggle economically um, to uh, very easily or much more easily sort of get financial support and pick the most economical way to get access to food. So we think it's super cool and, um, you know, fits a whole bunch of not just personal performance, but there's clearly nutrition plays a huge role in aging independently and it plays a huge role in the, in parenthood, both, uh, you know, maternal uh, nutrition, 
nutrition during pregnancy, uh, immediately after delivery, uh, child nutrition, et cetera. So, uh, and then the second senior helpers, again, they're one of the largest uh, providers of in-home personal care, essentially aimed at seniors to help keep them either delay or hopefully avoid altogether uh, needing to leave their home and be uh, put into an institutional setting. And so they're providing support services in the home, light duty household chores and support for activities of daily living. And so again, both of these kind of fit the strategy. And to your question, we kind of look at this as three levels of potential synergy. Uh, the first and kind of the one that everyone goes to is what is the synergy between these companies that we're investing in or acquiring and the core business of Advocate Aurora Health. And what I would say there is in both of the cases of the first two deals we've done, we think there's, there is synergy with the core. However, as a general uh, philosophy, while all other things being equal, we want there to be synergy with our core Advocate Aurora Health business. It's not a prerequisite. So we are uh, the way I look at it is we are building uh, a our own business in consumer health, and by definition, it's almost always going to have synergy with the core, but it's not again a prerequisite. So if we find a great company in one of these categories and it doesn't have synergy with the core, but it makes sense for what we're trying to do in consumer health, we would you know we have the ability to pursue that. the The second layer of synergy is really within the category itself. So presumably over time, and we're early on our journey, but we'll, we'll assemble and acquire and invest in more companies in one particular category. And we wanna find uh, synergy between and among those companies. So now that Senior Helpers is in the fold, we are looking at companies within aging that provide different services, but that would be synergistic for the clients of Senior Helpers. So that's the second layer of synergy. And then the third one is cross-category synergy. So. I mentioned uh, our first two deals. When since we did the deal simultaneously, we didn't, we weren't really thinking this uh, all the way through. But since we've uh, closed on both transactions, actually yesterday we introduced the CEOs of the two companies to each other. They're both really interested in each other's capabilities and think that there's some interesting synergy opportunities between Food Smart and Senior Helpers and vice versa. So that cross-category synergy is really to me, kind of the holy grail of what we're trying to accomplish within Advocate Aurora Enterprises. I take it that's the ecosystem you mentioned at the beginning. That's exactly right. And it's, as it all comes together, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning that as we mature and we bring more companies in, you know, we're going to start seeing a lot of cross-pollination between and amongst the companies within the category, across categories, and again, ideally also helping you know, be synergistic with Advocate Aurora Health. Uh, Michael, let me come back to you. I'm uh, very familiar with your legal department. It's, they're very, uh, it's a great department, but they're uh, built to serve a traditional uh, healthcare system uh, enterprise uh, with hospitals and clinics and uh, surgery centers and urgent care centers and a home health business. And now you're having to help Scott and his team with uh, developing this for-profit entrepreneurial, a very different business than uh, you've, you've had to deal with before. How do, how do you as a department and, and your attorneys pivot to support him and, and to meet the needs that he has? That's a great question. Uh, and I think the short answer sincerely is we need to do that with humility. 
it's my view that there is not a better legal department at any health system across the country. Uh, I sincerely believe that, and I believe that that's true regardless of or perhaps in spite of the leadership of the department. But we are a legal department, as you pointed out, Mike, that has been developed uh, and exists to support a health system. And the businesses that Scott is talking about, including Advocate Aurora Enterprises itself, um, are not within that traditional model. So it is, I think, imperative for us to keep our eyes open uh, and again, act with humility and understand that there are uh, legal issues that are going to arise that we do not have the capability of handling uh, in-house. Or I should say, we don't have the capability of handling them in-house with the level of expertise that uh, is uh, required. So one of the things we need to do uh, in the near term that we are doing is partner with our uh, outstanding law firm partners uh, and work with them and bring in that expertise where needed. Scott referred to senior helpers. Senior helpers has a significant franchise component to its business. Um, not surprisingly, we don't have a lot of franchise law experience within the legal department. So it's important for us to uh, find that. Uh, and uh, supplement what we're able to provide internally. Uh, as Advocate Aurora Enterprises grows and invests in more and different businesses, uh, I think that it's likely that that need will grow for us. At the same time, uh, that's something of a shorter midterm uh, approach. Uh, one of the things that uh, Scott and I have talked about is as Advocate Aurora Enterprises develops and matures, there may be areas that we'll need to add uh, internally uh, where we will need uh, new members of our team who are able to support effectively what Scott and his team uh, are doing. I couldn't map that out right now, but it's certainly something that we keep our eyes open for going forward. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, one final question uh, directed at Scott, but but Michael, you can weigh in too. I know the strategic plan uh, that was developed uh, really had a time frame of out to 2025. If we were having this conversation in 2025, looking back as to what's happened, and we say that Advocate Aurora Enterprises has been a, a great success, what would you be talking about, Scott, as, as what's happened? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And, and I, I think a lot about that um, because I think if we don't lay out a uh, sort of a compelling and aspirational set of uh, objectives and goals for five years out, it's hard to then say, are we doing the right things today to, to move towards that? So certainly one of the things that I think will be a measure of success is if we have made some kind of impact on healthy days for the people we serve. I mentioned that earlier. And if we're improving, if, if we're kind of fulfilling our purpose of helping people live well, they should be telling us that they're experiencing more healthy days. I mean, that's, it's as simple as that. And I understand that's not always possible for everyone given their, uh, their circumstances, but overall we should be improving the number of healthy days. I haven't quite figured out exactly how much, we should be, um, you know, impacting. But if we show an improvement, I think that's at least a start. Uh, the second is, you know, we need to 
be serving more people. And, um, and, you know, we've, it's hard to kind of figure out exactly how many people, uh, what the right number is, because a lot of the businesses we're looking at are, um, and Food Smart's a good example of that. They interact with people through, you know, digital t- uh, platforms. You can interact with a lot of people that way and cover a, you know, huge, ge- you know, you're not bound by geography. On the other hand, are you also having deep connections with them and, you know, ongoing lifetime relationships? And so probably some kind of metric that we've increased, not only the number of people we serve, but we've increased what we would call the lifetime value uh, that they represent to us so that they're staying with us and that they're continuing to find new ways to do business with us. So that'll be another measure of success. And clearly a third is, have we created a portfolio of companies and products and services that is generating a meaningful and accretive uh, cash flow for Advocate Aurora Health. I don't want to ignore that part of this is to, in fact, you know, contribute to the financial health of the organization. So I think if we've done all three of those things, I think you know people would be cheering for us. Michael, anything to add to that? As a legal department, we take a lot of pride in supporting Advocate Aurora Health System's uh, mission and values. It's very meaningful to us. What Scott is doing not only drives that and supports those mission and value ideas, but it's exciting work uh, and it's interesting work. And for the lawyers on the team, uh, it's really uh, enjoyable to be able to engage with Scott and his team and the companies that they're looking at acquiring or investing in uh, and being involved on something that's a little closer to the cutting edge of whole person health and how we really live out that mission to help people live well. So it's something that we enjoy and are looking forward to a lot more of in the future. Okay, thank you. And with that, uh, we are out of time. I would really like to give a big thanks to uh, Scott and to Michael for uh, sharing time with us today and really appreciate talking to us about the new and exciting venture Advocate Aurora Enterprises is becoming one of the leading health systems in the country and really plowing new ground in what uh, healthcare uh, and wellness can be going forward. So again, thank you very much. Uh, And with that, I will uh, send this back to you, Judy. Thank you, Mike. And thank you to Scott Powder and Michael Grebe for a great show. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Healthcare Law Today podcast your connection to timely legal updates in the healthcare industry. Healthcare Law Today is a monthly program, and we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast or to Foley's Healthcare Law Today blog at healthcarelawtoday.com. If you like this show, please don't forget to subscribe and be sure to rate us five stars. Until next time on the Healthcare Law Today podcast, I'm Judy Waltz at Foley & Lardner. We appreciate you joining us.